It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. And more people now. I did not pay them to do that. I fed them Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and they were just excited. They're just all jumping around and, and thinking that something's happening here. We're broadcasting live the Lawn and Garden Show this morning from Pike Nursery at Lindbergh, and people have come by to get our Dunkin' Donuts coffee and bagels and donuts, and now they're watching the show, answering trivia questions. I'm answering their garden questions. We have tickets from the, uh, for the Fifth Third Bank Broadway in Atlanta's production of Pippin. May the 5th through the 10th. We're giving away those tickets today. We've got WSB t-shirts. But our special prize today, eggs from Mickey Gazaway's chickens. We will give away a dozen eggs from Mickey Gazaway's chicken that we have up here on the table. Everybody's looking around. That's the grand prize for, uh, for this morning. We do appreciate Dunkin' Donuts providing the food this morning. And Pike Nursery, of course, one thing you did not know, I did not know it until I walked in the door this morning, but the Pike Nursery at Lindbergh now has valet parking from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Saturdays and Sundays only, but they decided it was easier to get their customers in and out of the parking lot just to do valet parking. So that is the first nursery, I think, in Atlanta that's had valet parking in it. Let's go to the phones. We've got people to talk to. Sue is out in Marietta and believes that I did something that helped her in her garden. Hey, Sue. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How are you? I'm, I'm like fine, you have Sue. thousands of people there. Well, not like thousands, but there's like more thousands. than one. Yeah, two or three. Okay. Last year, last fall, I called and asked you about my angel wing begonia that a, a elderly gentleman had given me, and you said, leave it alone. Just let it do what it wanted to do, and I want you to know that I need to thank you because I left it alone, yeah. and now it has just filled in on all of those limbs, and it is gorgeous. Do you so have it? Where do you have you it inside, much. then? Where do you have it inside, Sue? Inside, about uh, a window that gets uh, evening, um, not evening, afternoon uh, sun, and it just thrived unbelievably. And I just left it alone, and it got real leggy and real ugly, but then it just put out new leaves on all of those. And that's what you tell me to do, and I just want to thank you for that. Well, you are I, welcome. I, I think enjoy your the- show so much. You do not know. I cannot wait till Saturday morning to listen to you. Getting it's more compliments this morning. What's it's going on? Mickey Gasway's pat me on the back over here. Well, Sue, at least <laughs> one angel wing begonia thanks you for taking care of it, and you thank me for giving you advice on there. There are a lot of things in the garden or in the indoor plant world that just leaving them alone and letting them do what they want to do, and they'll recover by themselves without much uh, human interference with it. And so this is one of those cases where I told Sue, just leave the angel wing alone, give it some light, it will sprout new growth around the bottom. And Sue calls and said I was successful. One of the few times maybe that I've helped somebody to keep a plant alive. Sue, thanks so much for calling. I appreciate the comment. We've got, ooh, we've got to read that. Patrick. Patrick's up and coming. And Patrick joins us on Lawn and Garden this morning. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How can we help? Uh, last year, we uh, my neighbor had a yellow jacket issue. They got a 20 by 20 deck, approximately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's up off the ground about, I'd say, six inches on average. You can't get under there to kill them, of course. 
So what's the preventative? I'm, the only thing I can come up with is a screen coming around the bottom, but you still got the slats in the middle where they can go in and out there if they do it yeah. again. And not necessarily. Um, yellow jackets don't re-inhabit the same hole that they had last year. The queen That's overwinters all the work okay. die. But uh, the chances, I guess they're 50-50 maybe, that the yellow jackets come back and make their nest underneath the deck. But, I, you know, because it's so low, I understand you don't have a way of getting a poison or something back to it. But Absolutely. the screen sounds like a lot of work, and I'm not sure you really need to put the screen up. I my guess is what I would do, I'm the lazy guy, is I would wait until I saw the yellow jackets in the spring, sometime in June maybe, and sure. if I see them coming from under the deck, put the screen up, and if I don't see them coming under the deck, they have moved their hole to somewhere else in the landscape. You don't need to do anything. Well, there you go. Okay, I knew you'd make it simple for me. <laughs> I kept you from doing work unless that work's needed. Exactly. Okay, I don't do it until I see them. <laughs> exactly. Don't do it until you see the whites of their eyes. That's exactly what we'll do for yellow jacket control. I was speaking yesterday to a garden group, and I mentioned to them that one of the, not one of the, three of the best uh, partners that you have in caterpillar control in a landscape are yellow jackets, wasps, and hornets. They love caterpillars, and they'll eat them up as long as you give them some way to get underneath the uh, netting of the fall webworm caterpillar or the uh, tent caterpillar we have in the spring. And so that's another place. I don't recommend spraying anything for caterpillars, the tents, or the fall webworms, but if you just take away their protection, take away their web, let the birds and the, cat and the uh, yellow jackets come and eat them, and that is the way to control them rather than spraying with an insecticide. Let's go to who? Rod's out in Stone Mountain and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Rod, good morning. Good morning, good morning. First time caller, long time listener. Sorry. I have a problem in my yard with wild violet. I fertilized my yard about a year, a couple of years ago, not realizing that I just added to the fire and they have taken off. I tried to get yeah. a couple of different herbicides to kill them, but it's not working. I used some and it damaged my zoysia. So, so now what kind of, I wonder zoysia how I can. Okay. I think that both Ortho and Bonide and Bayer have a product that will do it. And Bayer is the season-long weed control with Ortho. It's Ortho uh, Weed Be Gone Max. And Bonide, I think, has a pretty good weed preventer killer sort of systemic thing as well. It's more persistence. I mean, really and truly, the way you kill weeds, Rod, is being persistent about whatever treatment you choose. If it's okay. digging the weeds, you've got to be persistent. If it's spraying with a, with a herbicide, you've got to spray regularly, as it says on the label for you. But there's nothing that will just wipe out the violet so you'll never have another violet in the zoysia in your life again. You're mm -hmm. going to have to be persistent about applying any of the weed control methods. That's what you need is a good box of persistence, I guess. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it sounds like I need to go back again and apply it again in the 14-day intervals, which is what it tells me I need to what, tell yeah. me I need Whatever to. it says okay. on the label, follow the label. And you, like I said, Ortho, Bayer, Bonide, any of those brands are going to have something that will work for you applied persistently and consistently to kill the violets. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Okay. You know, one of the things, Mickey, that I saw a graph this past week that I thought was tremendously telling for people who have fescue lawns and want to control crabgrass in the summertime in a fescue lawn. It showed a graph of mowing height and how the mowing height in your fescue lawn can help to prevent crabgrass at 
When the fescue was mowed down an inch and a half to two inches, lots of crabgrass in the lawn. When the fescue was mowed at four inches, almost zero crabgrass in the lawn because the fescue had shaded out the seeds of the uh, crabgrass plants. And that, to me, says there are lots of environmental things you can do to make the weeds unhappy and make the fescue happy. And that way you don't have to spray chemicals on your lawn, which we'd like to avoid at any time. Let's go to the phones. we got 14, 8.14 on a Saturday morning. Pam is with us from Fayetteville, down in Fayette County, where I'm from. Hey, Pam, good morning. Well, good morning, Walter. Welcome from home. How can we help? <laughs> I have a question for you about radican gardenias. Sure. Um, I had uh, one customer that I planted from before last year that did really well. Um, I think I lost one out of eight. Um, I've got another um, client that I'm planting them for Monday morning, and she's concerned that it may not be hardy enough for the cold we have in Georgia. So I was just going to get your opinion on that before we spend the money and put them in the ground. So what about radican gardenias? What do you think? I think they're reasonably hardy. I mean, I have had one, two, and I can think two gardenias that in 24 years where I live in Tucker, near Tucker, that they have gotten hurt from freeze or some environmental thing. But radicans and all the other different kinds of gardenias are pretty much hardy in the wintertime. But once in a great while, you'll lose one of them due to cold damage for things that probably aren't your fault anyway. So I don't think your client's going to have any problems with the, with the little small radicans gardenia. I just don't. Awesome. Thank you so much. I called you last yeah. year on, a, on a, an issue I had, and you gave me some good advice. I followed, and the customer is very happy this year, so I'm going to keep on listening to you. Great to hear, Pam. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Pam's place on this line of callers we have this morning. Tom is in Shamley, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tom, good morning. Yeah, I was wondering about my blueberries. Some of them are actually starting to bloom right now, and I'm wondering sure. if um, that's going to cold tomorrow might hurt them. I don't think so. I'm not Kirk Mellish, and so, you know, I can't predict the weather exactly, but my bet is this late in the spring, this late in March, almost April, that the amount of time that it's going to be cold enough to hurt anything is going to be short. It'll be for an hour, maybe, that we get down to the, the 20s that Kirk is predicting, and Blueberries are pretty tolerant of cold weather. They can't take 15 degrees, but I think they could take 27 or 28 degrees. It was a real short time uh, on the plants. So I'm not recommending that anybody do any protection for their blueberries, their tulips, their tender plants, their tomatoes. Okay, maybe tomatoes <laughs> need a little protection. But uh, I just don't think myself, not being a weather professional still, but I just don't think it's going to hurt them. I think Aren't we going to have some wind tonight, too? Which should if it gets windy, out. if Kirk starts saying wind, then... And um, uh, all but bets are off. That keeps some of the frost off. Yeah, well, you're right. That keeps the frost off of the plant mm-hmm. on there. I mean, easy things. You could d- get um, cardboard boxes and things to protect the tomatoes, but everything else, the blueberries and everything else, I just don't think they need protection tonight. I don't think so. I hope nobody knows where I live so they come and throw tomatoes at my house for bad advice, but that's what I think. I don't think it's going to hurt them. So, so you think the blooms themselves will be fine? I think they will. A lot of uh, the blooms I've seen on mine have been uh, been worked by the bees. I see where the bees have been into them, the carpenter bees on the side. And so I know pollination has already happened. The bloom may stay on the plant for a little while, but if pollination has occurred, then it's going to have fruit, just what you want. And the uh, having the blooms on a little bit late does not really change anything about having blueberries, which you want for your shrub. All right, let's get out of here because it is 8.18, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Here we are in a quick weather update. Brought to you by... Ackerman Security. Bottom line, not so bad out today. A lot of, lot of sunshine this afternoon, although it will be in the mid-50s today, the low 50s perhaps if you really look at it close. Cold and clear tonight. Lows in the high 20s overnight, but still not predicting much harm for our plants. If you want to, cover them. If you don't want to, I don't think we're going to have any harm for the plants. But the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes. Those News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're playing trivia here at Pike Nursery at Lindbergh, and I'm giving away prizes to Pippin to be at the Fox Theater. And we've got Cobb Energy Center. We've got, uh, what else, the auto show, I believe, is still left up here. And a dozen of Mickey Gazaway's chicken's eggs. We're giving that away as well, if you know the answers to my trivia questions. Who have we got down on the line here? Ray is in Jackson, and Ray joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ray. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Mr. Reeves. I have a, a Bradford pear tree. It's about uh, six or seven years old. And yeah. it looks like it's growing actually a second trunk that's 90 degrees from the, exactly 90 degrees from the, the vertical trunk. Yeah. I, I thought it was a root, but it's getting to the point where it's, it's above the ground and it's going to start interfering with the lawnmower. Any idea Ooh. what I can do with it? Or? Cut it off. I mean, Bradford pears, generally speaking, can be pruned and should be pruned more than people do. But I don't think cutting a limb off is going to hurt anything. How big in diameter is that limb, you well, think? It's not a limb. It's actually under the ground, but it's starting to grow, come up on top. It, it's about two inches in diameter. It, it doesn't look like a root. It actually looks like a second trunk. It's about five or six huh. feet long. and it, it's really. Huh. Why would a root look like it. a trunk? So it has bark and stuff on it. Is that right? It does, yes. It's about huh. uh, huh. probably huh. a half inch above the ground now, but it's total two inches in diameter. The rest of it's underground. It's growing... Exactly, 90 degrees, yeah. I guess, horizontally from the big trunk. My guess, and some plant physiologists, tree physiologists may know an answer better than this, but my guess <laughs> is it was initially a part of the root, and it's just sort of hardened off and become more trunk, um, trunk-like trunk there. Uh-huh. And so you just worried, basically, Ray, that it would hurt your lawnmower as you mow underneath the tree? Yeah, if it keeps growing, it, um, it, it's going <laughs> to get real big and look real ugly with if I cut it off, or I the, think the tree cut it off. Start- Mickey and I have seen enough Bradford pears doing enough damage to landscapes that we have a sort of a mutual antipathy toward that tree, and we vote for taking the taking the cut to cut it off. Just cut the root trunk, okay. whatever the thing is, cut it off and be done with it, because I don't think it's going to hurt the tree to cut it off, okay. and it could hurt your lawnmower if you don't cut it off. So yeah, That's remove true. it. I'll do that this afternoon. I appreciate Mr. Reeves. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for calling. You know, one of the things that I noticed as I was driving to Beaufort, there are several places along the highway where it looks like one Bradford pear got planted, and there's a thicket easily 50 feet off the highway and for maybe 50 yards, 100 yards along the highway where it just looks like a thicket of Bradford pears are growing. They're all white and blooming, so that's how I could tell what they were. And those folks who say that Bradford pears do not reproduce by seeds, I think, are being proven wrong every day. They do reproduce by seeds. And Bradford pear, when it's pollinated with one of the other uh, 
ornamental flowering pear type uh, trees can, I think, make viable seeds that squirrels and other animals distribute around them. And so you see these thickets of these thorny, thorny, thorny little trees. Don't you think sometimes those are coming up from the roots there? If the tree gets hits a lot, if it, if if it were a root thing, down. yeah, if a, if a tree, tree cut, cut down, down, yeah, then you get the little ones coming up all under it. Exactly. But, but these are thorns? 40 or 50 feet away, and they're but thorny. But there may have been another one over there. May have, but I still think some of them come up from seed, and I think that is one more reason that Bradfords, you have to be careful, you have to know what you're doing, you have to maintain them and do things to them that uh, will keep them from becoming a nuisance. But those look like nuisances in some of these abandoned pastures on the way to Beaufort. If we can get this done real quick, we can talk to Susan in Sandy Springs. Susan, join us and give us a real 30-second question. Uh, You talked about the sweet repeat red raspberries. Yeah, sure. And where can I buy them? Locally, Pike doesn't sell them. I think you have to go online. I think you have to go online. I don't know specifically if my friends at Ella J at Johnson Nursery stock Sweet Repeat, but I buy plants online commonly, and I don't usually have a bad um, problem with them. So I would just say look online, Google it. The Sweet only, Repeat the only place that came up was Gurney's, and Gurney's are out of them. They're out of yeah. Stock. Hey, I got no other solutions. I got no <laughs> other places to send, no miracle places to send you to, but. You can plant raspberries all year long. Just make a reminder to yourself every month or so. Go back online, see if anybody has them in stock and and get them. But the people who have planted Sweet Repeat, wherever they got them from, have been very impressed with the number of berries they got on it. So it's worth looking for to get that particular raspberry in your landscape. It's 828 at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. We're still here. We have a drink all the coffee we Got a couple of guests who are up on the ceiling right now jumping around. But we're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery at Lindbergh Plaza. The uh, Camellia Lane Pike Nursery, if that's the one you're looking for, that's where we are. We'll be here for just a few more minutes till 9 o'clock this morning for Lawn and Garden. Giving away things we have. You know, something we have not done yet was the weekend prize pack, Mickey Gasaway. We have to do that. Ashley Frasca is at the ready back in the studio thinking of a number between 2 and 7 to figure out who will win a pair of tickets to the Fifth Third Bank Broadway in Atlanta's production of Blue Man Group. Those guys painted blue April the 7th through the 12th at the Fox Theater, plus a family four-pack of tickets to see the Braves versus the Mets. Baseball starts on April 12th at Turner Field. A pair of tickets to see Rod Stewart in concert July 15th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, produced by ASO Presents, plus... And McDonald's $25 gift card. Lots of things could be, could be won in the weekend prize pack this morning. Ashley Frasca, what caller wins? Caller number three. Caller number three. And there are people in my audience who are dialing right now. 404 741 0750. 404 741 
0750. That would be really funny, Mickey, if someone won here at the broadcast. Mickey Gasway, while Ashley's sorting that out back in the studio with who wins the prize pack, Mickey Gasway, every Saturday we talk to each other on the phone about the uh, Pikes Pick for the weekend. Today, here you are beside me, and right. you can tell everybody what a Pike Pick is. It's azaleas, all the azaleas. Every one of them. Every one of them. Y'all do such a good job choosing the prize or choosing the uh, Pikes Pick at a time when it's the perfect time to grow, plant, observe, figure out which one you like. That's right. I just planted some this week. So. Were they Beautiful. encores or natives, or what do you I have? I planted just the common azaleas. Yeah. I don't like the word common. The traditional Traditional Carl Bells yes. and some of yes. the, yeah, the I did George Tabers and Formosas. Exactly. But we've got, native, we've got native azaleas at we've Pike, don't we? We've got some natives, and we've got some encores, and we've got bloomathons, and we've got just the traditional azaleas. All right, traditional azaleas. Mm-hmm. Nice word for them. But if you basically come to any Pike nursery in Atlanta today and tell the cashiers you check out, this is the Pike Pick then you get 20% off on any azalea you care to take home with you. Take some soil conditioner along with it to That's make right, the soil or soft. Some, um, the uh, azalea camellia uh, soil is a good one to use. Oh, also, right. Yeah, especially for that. Uh, also, you could get some uh, planting mix. You could mm-hmm. use that. Maybe a little sure start, your starter sure fertilizer. Start or some uh, azalea camellia, the A.B. Stone azalea camellia food. food. You can use that after they get going. Only the azalea is 20% off. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a regular price at right. Pike. But Correct. all the azaleas, the natives, yes. the uh, standard or the, kind of the regular, what would you call them, regular traditional. azaleas, traditional <laughs> azaleas, as well as Encore and Blooming Again or Bloom, mm-hmm. what is Blumathon. the? Bloomathon. Bloomathon. Yeah. Bloomathon. All those they are all sale twenty percent off, and we have classes going on, Mickey. That's right, not today. No think. classes today. I don't think so. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you go to a nursery again, tell the cashier that this is a Pike pick that Mickey said so on the radio. Any azalea, any Pike nursery, they're on sale for twenty percent off. Mickey, that's, that's right. great news for us. If we need to know where the nearest location is, where would we go? At PikeNursery.com. PikeNursery.com, absolutely. Again, we're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery at Lindbergh Plaza. And we've got Connie on the line from, let's see, Cedartown? Where's that big word right there I can't see on my screen? Yes, Connie in Cedartown. Hey, Connie, good morning. Good morning. I have two um, patches of dwarf mondo grass that are used like a ground cover. I cannot keep the weeds and the green onions from coming up in it. I have tried the cream weed and feed, and then last year I tried to isolate the weeds and paint Roundup on them. Well, the first time it rained, I killed about half of my month at Dorf Mondo grass. Yeah. I don't know what to put on them to keep the weeds out and and the green onions. A pre-emergent, both Mickey and I are sighing behind the microphone right now because there's not a great answer. You might could use a uh, pre-emergent that's labeled for a control of weeds and ornamental plantings that would prevent some of the weed seeds from germinating, yeah. But as far as selectively taking out onions out of mondo grass, that's going to be just you yeah, experimenting. And that'll cost you some money, obviously. I would read labels on the Image for Nutgrass product to see if it says anything about this can be used to control weeds in uh, mondo or in monkey grass, lyrio. But specifically, I don't have an answer for you. Okay. Well, I will try. Um, the pre-emergent, though, probably should have gone on before now. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, I just had a, it's not a brilliant idea, but it might be a useful idea. How about that? Okay. Take, take a plastic glove. Get a, un, a new plastic glove. Put it on your right hand. And on top of that plastic glove, put an old cotton sock. 
and put that over your hand. The glove mm -hmm. keeps any chemicals from getting onto your skin. The sock can be sprayed with a little bit of Roundup, and you could take your hands and go into the Lirio and touch the leaves of the onions or any other weeds that you have and sort of draw your hand along the stem and leaves of that weed plant. That would be pretty specific. It'd be you know, labor-intensive for you to do it, but it would be specific for weed control, and it would take care of weeds without hurting the mondo grass. Actually, that's what I did last year, and I don't know if it was because of the first time it rained and then it washed down onto the mondo grass, but I ended yeah. up around each weed that I had done that to, I ended up with a nice big dip clump of my dwarf mondo grass, so I did try that. Well, look, look at the weather forecast. If it does not predict rain or irrigation in the next uh, two or three days, then maybe you could do it putting it on your, on your hand and wiping it on. But that is the only other thing that I can think of that would certainly control the weeds in the Mondo grass. Thanks for calling there, Stacey. We appreciate it. We've got who next? Uh, Bob is in Lawrenceville, who joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Hey. I've got hey. a blueberry plant. Actually, I've had a second blueberry plant. I think it's a Climax variety. You'll yeah. start dying at the very tip on one branch, or maybe two branches in the whole plant. And it just gradually die all the way back. During Ooh. the fall of the year, the rest of the plant will drop its leaves, but the dead branch will just hold onto those leaves like the grip right. of death. Have wow. you ever heard of anything like that happening in blueberries? You know, the symptoms sound like the root disease that we do with Phytophthora or... What is, what's another one, Mickey? Is, I think Phytophthora is the number one thing that Mickey and I think about. That's what happens on Daphne's. That's what happens on um, rhododendron. rhododendron, what happens on Akuba. Mm -hmm. They all have leaves that sort of dry up, wilt, and hang on to the plant for a long time. Mm -hmm. And blueberries are in that family, so I had not really ever seen Phytophthora on a blueberry, but that's what it sounds like you have. But the rest of the canes on the plant are unaffected. Pray and keep your fingers crossed because on an azalea, it's only a matter of time no, 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 before no, no, it moves no. into the blue other part. I know, but on azaleas, it'll move even though part of the plant is sick and dead, and you prune that out, the other part of the plant eventually succumbs to the disease. And I'm worried that with your blueberry, even though it's one limb only affected right now, six months from now, it may move through the rest of the plant. Okay, well, I guess I better get in mind to head over to Pike and get some replacement blueberries. Get some replacement. I'm sure they would be happy to see your smiling face. They sure will. To the soil to get rid of this, whatever this disease is. You need to. You need to add a lot of soil conditioner or something like that because it's only effective if water stands on it. Yeah. So you got to make sure that the water doesn't stand on it at all, and then the phytophthora won't affect the plant. Generally speaking, the better drainage you can give a blueberry the, or any other plant, yeah. the better it's going to be at fighting off these root diseases, which really are there as a result of having water or clay or something around the soil that keeps them from breathing readily. So Mickey's advice is just right. Get some soil conditioner, get some peat moss, move it in there so that the, uh, the root system, the root uh, area can drain real quickly after a rain. We've got Nancy. Nancy's in Marietta. Nancy joins us online. Hey, Nancy. Good morning. Hey. I was wondering if you had to have two apple trees to produce fruit in terms of cross-pollination. You get more apples if you have a pollinator nearby, but mm -hmm. a lot of times there are other apples in the neighborhood or maybe a crab apple somewhere that's blooming pretty close to you. And the bees will go from the crab apple or the other apple variety that your neighbor has down the street to your apple and provide reasonably good pollination that way that you only have to plant one in a lot of cases because other plants are giving pollen at that time. 
Okay, so you do not need to necessarily buy them in pairs to plant them. Not exactly. If you, if you have the room to plant two, you'll be sure that you have pollination. You have okay. varieties that hopefully bloom together at the same time. But most people find they get a good many apples just by planting one tree and depending on neighborhood pollen, I guess. Also, okay. if you look, sometimes it'll say uh, somewhat self-pollinated. Yeah, somewhat like self-pollinated. Yellow, yellow Delicious and Granny Smith's both say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that answer the question? Yes, it does. And hello, Mickey. <laughs> hey, how are you? That's Nancy calling to you from oh, Marietta right there, your good All friend right. Nancy. Indeed. Hey, Nancy, we got to go. We got Al in Adairsville. I got the sun is shining on my screen. I can barely see it right now. But Al, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hey, Walter. Good morning. I've got morning. a quick question. I've heard you talk about using the weed and feed, and I was wanting to cut the grass today, but I was going to use a bagger. And hopefully that would have helped contain the weed seeds and all. Or sure. It? Yeah. Okay. Is it any certain, like after the if I use weed and feed, how long would I have to wait to like put regular fertilizer on it or just? It'll say generally speaking, it'll say on the label how long to the next fertilization. I would say four to six weeks is about right before you start putting regular lawn fertilizer on a lawn after using weed and feed. But, you know, read the label. You can read it. You can see what it says yeah. there. But four to six weeks sounds about right for me. Okay. So you can go ahead and cut it with a blooming now and it won't hurt anything. It won't help spread it, I don't guess, right? I don't think so. I, I know that makes intuitive sense that if you bag all the mowing clippings, it keeps the seeds from the weeds from, from spreading around. But right, right now, there are not many weeds that have seeds. I'm yeah. saying that thinking I've got hairy bittercrass in my lawn, so I do have a weed with seeds on it right now. Yeah, um, there's a lot but, of blooming going on, but I didn't know. So, yeah, I just okay. don't think there's a lot of contamination, for lack of a better word, that happens from not collecting your clippings or from collecting them and putting them on the, in a compost pile somewhere. Myself, I don't bag because I like to have the clippings return you know, nitrogen to the lawn, and so I don't bag any of my clippings. But I suppose there are some seeds that come in uh, or spread around the lawn from mowing if you don't bag. But I don't think it's a big, big, big deal. I'm not going to tell everybody you have to bag your clippings to get the weed seeds away from the lawn. I just don't think that is a big enough deal. Al, thanks so much for calling. We got, well, we don't have time to do another. We'll get one more at the end of the show. Right now it's 847, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And we're back. It's a full Saturday morning. We're at the Pike Nursery in Lindbergh right now. The weekend forecast, not so bad this afternoon. A lot of sun. You see the sun outside right now. Highs this afternoon are not as high as they have been, so somewhere in the mid to low 50s. And overnight, chilly temperatures may be going down below freezing for a couple of people. We don't recommend any protection for your plants much unless you have some real tender tomatoes maybe out. But your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Anthony has lantana and needs a little advice on cutting it back, harvesting seeds. Hey, Anthony, good morning. Hey, Walter, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How can we help? Yeah, well, the lantana is probably my favorite plant that I have on my property. Um, I don't have a lot of plants, but that one for sure requires the least amount of maintenance, and it's probably the prettiest, and the flowers stay out for a long time, as you know. Um, My question is, you know, every fall, 
um, after the bees are done doing their thing with it, it seems like there's little purple seeds at the end of, oh, the yeah. end of the, oh, where the flowers were. And not presumer seeds. So yes. I take them off and I save them in the jar. And I was just wondering if, if those are seeds, can they be planted indoors to kind of get them started so I can propagate more of this kind of plant? I've never saved seeds from a lantana. Yeah, you would think that between Mickey and I that we had done this sometime because both of us do, you know, weird things to see what happens in our gardens. But neither of us have ever saved seeds from lantana. And it seems like if there were a lot of seedling propensity on the Miss Huff lantana that you probably have, that we would see lots of seedlings of lantana in the garden and around it. But I never see uh, that. Miss Huff just sort of slowly increases in its own size from the crown, but it never seems to spread anywhere. So bottom line is I don't have my computer because I'm at a, at a live remote, so I can't look it up right now. But I don't think they will sprout very well. But I have a homework assignment for you, Anthony, and that is to try it and see and call me back mm, two or three weeks from now and say whether or not the seeds germinated. I would love to know. I just don't know right now. Okay. Um I appreciate it. It was hard to hear you, so I had to put you on speaker for a second. But I will certainly try that, and um, I'll let you know. I'll get back. Yeah, to you. let me know. You will be the uh, the research assistant, shall we call it, the research assistant to the Lawn and Garden Radio guy. Thanks for calling, Anthony. Oh, man, we're right at the close of the show this morning. A couple of things to remind everybody that you can subscribe to my email newsletter. I have a newsletter that comes out every two weeks and the last issue came out this past thursday or friday for some folks and that was about how to bless her heart is all you can say about this gardener she wrote me and had pictures of her fig bush her um azaleas some hydrangeas she had and she would put a black plastic bag over each one of them about eight or nine of them back in november when it was cold and she'd never taken the black plastic bag off of her hydrangeas and figs and things and she was wondering how do you know when to take the plastic bag off Probably should have, should have taken it off back in November, but it didn't seem like, she said, there are little leaves underneath that seem to be frozen or anything. So she escaped any bad things happening, but you only cover plants for the time that it's anticipated to be cold enough to, to hurt them, but you take the covering off after that part. So we sort of straightened her out, made sure she knew what was happening there. And another lady had a picture of these little tiny bees and mounds on the ground. I hope that everybody knows now those are ground bees. They are very docile. They don't sting. The males sort of hover around along, but no big deal there. But this is the kind of thing you get in the uh, email newsletter every two weeks. It's free to sign up for it. Just go to WalterReeves.com and subscribe to the newsletter. You can also go to my Facebook fan page, or you can see the link there on my website to uh, be a fan of the Georgia Gardener Facebook page where I put a lot of tips during the week. We also have a uh, Twitter account that sometimes I, twit I tweet things to everybody about gardening as well. And I want to thank Mickey Gasway for being with us this morning. It's always a comfort and a pleasure to have Mickey Gasway doing our radio broadcast. Ashley Frasca, Scott Maxim, Lorenzo Kemp, Pat Tedeschi, everybody who does anything, including David Danzig from the sales department. We appreciate their work. Next Saturday, we'll have another edition of Lawn and Garden. I hope you'll join me then. We'll be back then. And until then, Lawn and Garden, here we go. Dave Baker, straight ahead. We'll see you next Saturday.